Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Lund University International Podcast. On this show, we aim to give you a taste of what international student life at Lund is like as we speak to current students, alumni, teachers, and many more special guests. My name is Maria Lindblad, and I am an international marketing manager and recruitment manager here at Lund University. In today's episode, we are joined by my colleague, Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi. Nice to be here. <laughs> uh, so today we are opening for applications. Yay! Yay! <laughs> the most exciting time of the year, I would say. And so uh, we want to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about um, the application process, not go through the whole thing, but just uh, some quick tips and ideas that will help you make a successful application. And we do have a lot of applicants, right, yes, Becca? exactly. <laughs> We're expecting a lot of applications uh, this year. And we are actually, as you probably already know, one of the most popular uh, universities for international students in Sweden. So we get tons of applications every year and a lot of questions about how to put your application in the best possible place. Yeah, exactly. And then during this time of year, we receive a lot of questions from all over the world. We have students applying from around 170 different countries. Um, so it's very international. And uh, we are the most popular university in Sweden for international applicants. And that's uh, not strange because we have over 140 international programs to offer both, both at master's and bachelor level. Um, so again, as we, as we said, we will talk a little bit about how you can best prepare and be ready so that you can be as successful as possible with your application. And we, we receive a lot of questions, but sometimes we feel that it's the questions that the students are not asking <laughs> that are actually what they should be thinking about. So that's why we wanted to have this episode today to talk a little bit about that. So basically, we're going to go through five different tips or five different questions that you can ask yourself while you are preparing to apply to Lund. So what do you say, Becca? Should we kick it off <laughs> yeah. for the first important exactly. thing to, to consider? Yeah. So I would say the first thing that everybody needs to think about, of course, when you're looking to um, apply to a program is which program do I want to apply to? Exactly. And am I eligible for that program, yes. which is obviously <laughs> the second part. What am I interested in and also eligible for? Because yeah. you have to find something that you're going to be motivated by. I mean, most of our programs are two years at master's level. Um, some are one year. Um, and obviously our bachelors are three years long. So it's got to be something that you're really um, passionate about. And that will also help you when you're applying as well, if you can convey that kind of passion. But also you want to make sure that you're eligible. You have mm. relevant previous study, for example. Um, and so, yeah, the first question is, how do you check that? Where do you find the programs and how do you make sure that you're eligible? Mm, exactly. And I think that uh, the first part there that you said, what do you want to study? Is there a program for me? Students get really excited, like, oh, this sounds great. And then they just kind of jump ahead and apply without <laughs> doing the other step of checking the entry requirements. So um, there are a few things to consider. I mean, first of all, if we start with the bachelor programs, there are specific requirements in terms of the subjects that you might need. And this varies from around the world. So that is really important to look at that. And if you don't understand exactly what it means to have a certain level, contact us and we can help you with that. Uh, when it comes to the masters, we do have some masters that are open to students with any background or different backgrounds. 
but many of them require that you have a bachelor in the same mm -hmm. subject. And this is also something students might miss out. They might be, oh, but I'm an engineer and I would like to do a finance program. And then, yeah, but <laughs> perhaps check first if exactly. that is actually possible. Yeah, because here in Sweden, I think that it's fair to say that masters are usually an opportunity to deepen your knowledge in a specific area rather than to switch into a different field. And there are one or two masters, as you mentioned, that do allow you to come with a different background. And mm -hmm. that is often those kinds of masters where there is an expectation that perhaps you are coming from a different field and you're going to be um, specializing into something new. So, for example, the Masters in Management one-year program yeah. is a way to allow people to move into the area of management, um, which is obviously applicable across various different backgrounds. Exactly. And same thing with something like public health. We have this program where um, people might be coming with different specializations in the background that would help them in this wider topic of public mm. health so there are one or two programs like that where you can come with something else but in general terms then I would say most of the time you have to have had some relevant previous study yeah exactly and that will all be listed as well um, on the web page on the program page so if you're thinking oh well is the program that I'm interested in one of those programs the place to go is to our website, mm. lunduniversity.lu.se, and check on there, um, find your program, and have a look at the eligibility requirements. And it will be very clear on there whether or not this is a program which requires relevant previous study. Mm. Exactly. And, and I think it's also worth mentioning that there could be different types of entry requirements. Mm -hmm. We have sort of the general entry requirements to study in Sweden at a certain level. So depending on where your previous studies are from, you would have to check, uh, am I eligible at all to study a master's right. in Sweden? And then the second step, am I eligible for this specific program? And then a lot of students also contact us about uh, English requirements. And we'll get back to that in a moment in one of our other tips here. But mm. just to, to clarify that there are different type of entry requirements. But as Becca said here, um, please check our website to make sure. And this should really be the first step before you yeah. do anything else, before you start planning on applying at all. So yeah, first tip from <laughs> the recruitment officers here is check the entry requirements carefully. So uh, moving on to the second tip, once you have checked that you're eligible, then what, Becca? What's the so, next step? <laughs> so then the next question is, basically, how do I actually apply? What do I have to submit? Yeah. So now we're really talking about the documents that you need to submit. And that will lead us nicely to introduce you to the second important website uh, that you'll, you'll uh, want to get familiar with, which is universityadmissions.se. Mm. And that is where you can um, create an account in order to apply for a program and also find more information on these documents. So as Maria already mentioned, there are country specific requirements in terms of eligibility. So on our website, when you look on our program page, it might say that you require a degree in a certain subject. But what that actually means will vary depending on where you study, because, of course, some countries will have um, uh, degree programs that are three years. Others will have different kinds of requirements in order to be considered equivalent to the same uh, level here in Sweden. So that's where you go, universityadmissions.se, in order to check what are the um, country-specific eligibility requirements and what are the documents that I need to submit? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just like with the entry requirements, there are different types of documents, as, mm. you, as you started mentioning there, Rebecca. Uh, so you, there are, of course, uh, general documents, like you need to prove your previous degree, you need to have your diploma. Uh, 
but then there are also program-specific documents. So again, depending on the specific program, there might be different documents. And we do often get questions from students saying, oh, do I need a recommendation letter to apply to Loon? Do I need a motivation letter? Do I need this? Do I need that? Yeah, but it's not really that simple. It does vary from program to program. So again, it's important to check for the specific program you're applying to, what do they require? Exactly. You're going to be cross-referencing across these two websites, basically, our program page and also university admissions, because, um, yeah, as as uh, Maria said, it, there's no blanket rule on the documents. You have to check what is required for my program and what is required for me based mm. on where I previously studied. Yeah, exactly. And, and we also... Once we're talking about the program-specific documents, uh, they are also different. Not only yeah. what document you need, but how they're structured, uh, what way to write them. It's not that you can just write a one-page motivation letter and, and send that to, to any program that requires such a letter. But it could be that they want you to answer specific questions, mm -hmm. that they have a specific template, that it's a certain format you need to use. So. Save, to save yourself time, have a look at this beforehand so that you know. And we have opened today, so uh, the information is out there on our website. You will find the templates there on the web pages. So please have a look exactly what documents you need to submit. And uh, yeah, so we have the general documents, we have the program-specific documents. We also have uh, the proof of English, which mm -hmm. is also a document. <laughs> and we will get to that uh, now because <laughs> that is actually our third tip here today and the third thing you need to ask yourself. So yeah. you've checked the entry requirements, you've checked the general documents and the program-specific documents. Now, now you have to ask yourself, do I need an English test? Exactly. Or, or what kind, or what of, proof kind of, of proof of English do exactly. I need? Exactly. Yeah. What kind of proof of English do I need? And again, you're, there's a theme here, as we're, we're clearly seeing, that this is very specific to each person, what they are applying for and what their background is. So in this uh, situation with English, it's really about... Um, do I come from, or have I uh, studied, I should say, in an English-speaking country such mm. as the UK or the US, somewhere like that, then perhaps I might be able to submit evidence of that as my um, proof of English. But if I uh, am not able to do that, then I might need to look into an English test. Mm. And again, on universityadmissions.se, all of those options and what kind of option um, will be suitable for you are listed so you can check this and find out what do I need to do to prove my English. So um, if you, uh, yeah, like I said, if you studied in certain countries, it may be possible to prove your English through your degree certificate or um, your even your high school studies in some cases. Um, but many people will need an English test, won't they? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, and. We, we receive a lot of questions from students and the question is often, do I need an IELTS test to study mm. at an university? Or, or what score is required? Or is an IELTS test mandatory, for example? And that's kind of the wrong question. And that's what we want to clarify here because uh, all applicants, no matter who they are, where they're from, where they studied, they need to prove yeah. that they meet the English requirement. It's just a matter of how can I mm. prove it? Can I prove it through my previous studies, like, like Rebecca was saying? Or do I need to take a test to prove it? Or can I prove it through my high school studies? Can I prove it in any other way? But everybody needs to do it yeah. one way or another. Because sometimes we even get people saying, oh, well, I, I mean, 
like I can say this because I'm a British person. Sometimes we get people saying, I'm British, isn't that enough? I know. <laughs> it's actually not. Um, you have to actually show that you studied uh, English in English at some yeah. point because, you know, you can have any nationality. Exactly. But you could have studied um, in a different language. Exactly. So we always expect, no matter who you are, that all of our students will come to us with a good level of English proficiency. Mm. And indeed, that is the case. We have a very good level of English proficiency yeah. here on campus. And that is because we require everybody to find, in some way, evidence that they have mm. either studied previously in English or that they um, have a qualification that shows that they've, yeah. they've yeah. met this standard. And since uh, out of the students who do need to take a test, the most common tests are TOEFL or IELTS, but we do accept other tests as well. And uh, as Rebecca mentioned, on universityadmissions.se, you will find a description of all the tests that we accept and what level you need and also how to submit the score. Um, but just to, to give an overall idea, the, the overall score required for IELTS would be 6.5 and for TOEFL 90. So mm -hmm. those are the overall scores. But please check on the website to verify exactly uh, what you need and what kind of test and the subsection level exactly. that you need as well. Yeah, because like for IELTS, for example, it's like no section below 5.5 exactly. and things like that. So there's a bit more complicated yeah. when you look into it a little bit more. And um, if we do a quick return to our first point, mm -hmm. entry requirements, we might also want to say that some programs may require a higher level. Mm -hmm. So don't just assume that all programs are the same uh, in this regard either. Um, one other point I would like to make regarding the English, uh, the proof of English and uh, specifically the English tests is that many students kind of wait until the last minute mm. to take the test. They know they need to take the test, but they have final exams and they want to study a little bit more before they take the test. And then they end up taking it in late December or early January. And then the score comes out and it's one point below what oh, we require. Exactly. And then they're like, no. And unfortunately, our deadlines, which we're going to get to in a moment, are very strict. So don't, don't put yourself in that position. If you are unsure, please try to take the test now, mm. very soon, as soon as possible, so that if for some reason you don't quite match up to the required score, you have a chance to take another test before the deadline. Exactly. You give yourself that um, that time and space to like fix issues. And that's something that we often tell students is very important mm. during this application process. And also, I know that some uh, countries, it's a longer wait for those tests yeah. so it's good to like look into that right now um, because some people are a bit surprised when they realize that there's a long wait list yeah. uh, for a for a test center for example exactly. near them they have to they end up traveling further away or you know something like that so mm -hmm. it's definitely worth looking into now rather than being surprised at the last minute yeah and that automatically leads us to our fourth yep. point <laughs> and our fourth tip and that is to be very very careful about the deadlines so we open today as you know so you can go ahead and apply now uh, many students ask us will i get the results faster if i apply faster and that's not the case however it's still a good idea to apply early because that way as becca was just saying we have a chance to check the documents you have a chance to get some feedback correct any mistakes you might have made so uh, please if you're ready go ahead don't wait uh, but we do want to mention the deadline so we open today Becca. So when 
should they <laughs> at the latest apply? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, it's very important that you have actually gone on to university admissions and created that account and added your programs and clicked apply by 15th. Yeah. Jan. yeah. So it's January, uh, 15th of January, 2024. So that is the first deadline. And as I said, that is the deadline to actually apply. So to click the word apply and go through that process. Yeah. Um, so it's not only the deadline to actually choose your programs, but also the deadline to arrange them in order of preference, which mm. is what we refer to when we're talking about ranking. And this is very important um, and something that many students misunderstand. So it's yes. worth, I think, mentioning it here um, that the ranking is essentially the order in which your applications will be considered. And once your first application is considered, uh, or rather, sorry, I should say all of your applications will be considered. But once you get into one mm. of your um, uh, application choices, then the other um, options that you've listed will no longer uh be valid anymore yeah. Yeah. so it's very important that you think very carefully again back to that first point what is the program that I am most interested in mm. and that I am really sure that I'm eligible for yeah. because if you um, place uh, as that program that you absolutely love maybe second or third in your list mm. um, and then you don't uh, and then you receive entry into a less preferred program which is your first choice then you will not even receive an offer for your, exactly. your program that is maybe your dream program. Yeah. So we always say, think really carefully about this and make sure that that dream program, so to speak, is your top choice. Yes. Um, because if you uh, miss out on that just because you've misunderstood this ranking uh, system, that would be really a shame. Yeah, for sure. And and we should clarify uh, for those of you uh, wondering who may not be familiar with our mm. system, and what are you talking about, mm. fourth choice? <laughs> you can actually select up to four programs when you make an application. We have a national application system. So you can choose four different programs at Lund or even at other universities as well. But as Rebecca is saying, it's extremely important to place these in your order of preference. And many students think that, oh, I've chosen these for so now I can wait for my four offers and then I can mm. choose but that is not how it works so I usually word it like this like if you are accepted to your first choice all the other choices are automatically deleted mm. uh, if you are not accepted to your first choice that's when your second choice can be considered mm. so it's really really important to think of it like that and we all kind of say it over and over in different ways and then usually say oh okay I didn't Someone understand it, that yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the 15th of January, as Rebecca was saying, that is the magic yeah. uh, deadline for this. And after that, you can no longer add any programs, remove programs, change the order of programs. So make sure you're eligible and pick your right programs before the 15th of January and put them in the right order. Mm. And then you're kind of done with the first step. I was just thinking another way to say it in case that kind of helps is again, to think of you have your first choice and then you have backups. Exactly. And that's the other ones that you listed. Yes. So your first choice is the one that really you're putting your, that is your investment choice, in. That is your choice. Yeah. And then the others are backups in case yes. for some reason you don't receive entry into your first choice. Exactly. Maybe that helps someone yeah. as well. I think that's the best way to put <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first deadline. Yeah. We actually have 
a second deadline. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a bit like, you know, sometimes that also confuses students a little. But as we've said, the main deadline, the important one in terms of actually applying is the 15th of January. But then we give you a couple of extra weeks in case there are any documents that you haven't yet been able to upload, for example. Mm-hmm. So we have a second deadline of 1st of February. And by that date, you must have uploaded all of your documents um, that are required Um so that's also an extremely firm deadline. There's no yes. flexibility in that. No. So, and that's why we said, you know, like try and make sure that you've got your documents ready early. Because if you get to that point, we don't really want you to need those two weeks. We'd much rather that you have everything in yeah. before the 15th and then you don't have to think about this. But it is a kind of a lifeline for anybody who perhaps has had a last minute problem and realized mm. like, oh, actually, I forgot one page of my transcript or something and I need to upload it, that kind of thing. Yeah. So in a way, we're kind of glad we have that little safety net right at the end. <laughs> but in another way, like, don't rely on it, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You should really see it as an additional two weeks. Yeah. Like I said, not like this is my deadline. Exactly. Because the problem is a lot of students, I mean we're talking about half of our applicants mm. apply in those last two mm. weeks of January. Uh, they, they click on the program on the 15th and then they start getting their documents organized. And this is very, very risky because if anything is wrong or missing of your documents, even if you get feedback about that only after the 1st of February or on mm. the 1st of February, you have no other time to yeah. fix it. Everything must be correct and complete by the 1st of February. And this is another thing I think students misunderstand. They would, they will write to us and say, oh, but they only told me on the 5th of February that this document was missing. Was missing. Yes, but your deadline was still the 1st. Yeah. So another good reason to apply early, get the documents in early. You can get feedback if there's anything missing and then you have a chance to, to complete it. So yeah, very strict deadlines, 15th of January and 1st of February. Do not miss them. Uh, <laughs> we're we, very like yeah, very strict we are very today. strict with this but yeah. it's also because we hate to see it when someone yeah. misses it right yeah. because like in February if I get contacted by somebody who says oh I just realized this or you know I didn't oh my heart just goes yes. out to them because they they weren't able to do it and there's really nothing we can do anymore no. so that's why we're so kind of like strict yes. about this now because we just want you guys to succeed basically it's the saddest time of the year really in February because yeah. that's when we get uh, the emails from the students who missed out yeah uh, I want to clarify one more thing about the deadlines, and that is all that this is also the deadline for the English tests. Yes. Because many students assume that as long as they can get their academic documents in, their program-specific documents in, it's fine to submit the English tests in April. Mm-hmm. And they kind of write to us, even taking that for granted, saying like, oh, but it's fine that I get the test later, right? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> it's actually not. Everything has to be in by the 1st yeah. of February. Absolutely everything. Exactly. And that's a very Swedish thing, I guess, in terms I of our system. So, yeah. Um, because maybe that's the reason why some people think that it's okay to, to do it later because they're used to systems where there's more um, kind of flexibility yeah. on that regard. Actually, that has made me think of one other thing, though. There is, like, as far as I know, just one thing <laughs> that you perhaps uh, can uh, defer, which is if you are in your final year of your bachelor's yeah. studies. Um, so it, I just want to mention that if you're in your final year of your bachelor's studies and you're applying for a master's program with us, then we do not require your degree certificate by the 1st of February, because obviously you won't have finished your degree yeah. by that point. But what we do require is a form telling us that. So showing that you are in your last year of university, um, certificate 
certificate or form, whatever you can provide from your university, um, your most recent transcript as well, um, so that we can see that you're a final year student. And in that one and only situation, (laughs) you can actually provide us with your your degree certificate when you receive it um, later on in the summer. Yeah. so I just wanted to mention that in case anyone's listening and worried that, oh, but, you know, now you said that the deadline is really strict with my documents, but I won't have my degree certificate. We do understand that. Um, but that is the only situation. Yeah. And that, that is only, of. as you said, when you're applying to a master's. Exactly. If you're applying to a bachelor's, we do need your completed high school yeah. uh, documents. So just to clarify that as well. All right. So we've talked about the entry requirements. We've talked about documents. We've talked about English requirements and English tests. We've talked about deadlines. So we have the fifth and final tip uh, for you to be successful. Becca, what is it? Yeah, so the final thing that we want you all to think about is how am I going to finance my studies? Um, This is something that, of course, um, is a big concern for many, if not most students when they're thinking about what am I going to do um, in order to make sure that I can actually afford to study. Um, All of our uh, international students as in non-EU nationality um, are are usually fee uh, liable so you must pay a fee to study with us Um, and those fees are visible on the program pages. Um, We take two uh, installments per year of that fee so you can have a look on the program page if you want to check and see like how much will this actually cost me in terms of tuition fees Mm -hmm. but then of course you also have to consider living expenses as well and one of the reasons why we're raising this now is because it's very important to have a plan for this and to Um, think about this early because there are going to be various opportunities during this year to apply for things such as scholarships which we can talk about a little Um, but also uh, you need to like not just go into it thinking that you will fix the finance issue very close to the (laughs) to the actual studies beginning Um, you need to take advantage of those opportunities and also have a backup plan as well should your scholarship applications not be accepted Mm. um, or not be successful I should say Exactly. So we want you to think about that right now. What is my plan for finance? And don't just have one plan. Have a plan and then have some backup plans. (laughs) Just like with the programs, the backup plans are essential here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We do see that uh, a lot, actually, that students are very excited about coming to Lund. They have applied. Maybe they get admission to their first choice and they're super happy. Uh, We should also mention that the admission results come out in early April. Yes. So uh, just... So everyone knows that that is the same for everyone as well, because we have this national process. So we have these excited students in April say, yay, I got admission. And then the scholarship results come out a few days after. And then they say, oh, no, I didn't get a scholarship. Now what? And there is absolutely no time to start thinking about that in April, because now you have to move on with the other preparations, apply for your residence permit if you need if you need that, arrange with your housing, all these other preparation steps. And so this is not the time to start planning your funding. Mm. You need to do that now much, much earlier. So very important tip so that you can be successful all the way through, not just with your application, but actually your enrollment uh, and make it to Lund in the end. And our students use various ways to finance their studies. Obviously, some stu- for some students, it's essentially family support and funding, but obviously not every student will have access to that. Um, some students are able to access bank loans in their country, mm. and then some students apply for scholarships. And we have our own scholarship, the Lund University Global Scholarship, which offers a fee 
um, reduction or uh, discount up to 90%. So mm. it's a very good uh, discount yeah. um, if you are one of the lucky people that gets that. Um, but it is extremely competitive and very few students will actually be a look, a mm. look scholar, we call you, like Lund University Global Scholarship yeah. uh, recipient. Yeah. So it's very important to look into other options. Certain nationalities can look into the Swedish Institute as an mm. option. Um, but also we really encourage you to look at your local options as well um, oh, sure. because there are many others out there um, locally and we obviously don't know about all of those ourselves even because they're so specific to each country mm. um, but now is the time to research that really yeah and we have a page on our website called the external scholarships as well so that's a good starting point mm. even though that's not comprehensive at all it doesn't sh definitely doesn't include everything as Becca was saying but it is a good place to start looking into it all right, so I think that about wraps it up. Uh, we've, uh, again, quickly run through the five tips. Check the entry requirements. Make sure you have the documents you need and that you know which documents you need. Uh, make sure you have proof of English uh, and have booked a test if you need to take an English test. Uh, be very careful about the deadlines. They are strict and plan your funding uh, for your studies. If you only hear this and don't check anything else we send you this year or any other information or webinars, you should be able to make a successful application. Exactly, say. but on that topic, there will also be upcoming webinars on yes. many of these areas. So I'm sure that um, when you uh, subscribe to us, you're gonna get notifications about various things that are gonna be helpful for you, including things like funding, um, exactly. for example, in more detail. So don't worry if you're now thinking oh okay <laughs> funding what do I do we're going to be helping more with this question um, and giving you more information mm. through the rest of this uh, application cycle exactly and there will be opportunities to chat to current students and to us and the staff as well so we want to wish you all the best of luck with your application and we hope to see you in Lund this autumn exactly best of luck and hopefully see you soon Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lund University International Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Lund University, you can go to our website, lunduniversity.lu.se. You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can chat with current students on Unibuddy. Don't forget to subscribe. We look forward to bringing you a new episode very soon.